It's another beautiful spring Tuesday morning in the Doable Discipleship Studio. <clears throat> My name's Doug Jones. And I'm Jason Wheeland. And this is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, but, you know, we always call it. The show that helps you grow in the desert. Um, Doug, you were just in the desert this weekend. You, uh, Yeah, I was. You always use the grow and then just... You tack absolutely anything that you want onto that, yeah. and it always becomes your perfect segue. It's my launching pad. It is. Yeah, it was out in the desert, riding dirt bikes. Okay, and for uh, everybody else, you just bought a pop-up trailer, and this was your first time using it. Yeah. And what you told me is that the kids absolutely adored it. Is that the is that the case? They did. We bought this uh, beat-up old 2000 starcraft pop-up trailer and it's absolutely perfect for us because we do not have to worry about the kids like banging it up because it's already pretty banged up (laughs) and uh yeah if you don't know what a pop-up it's one of those uh trailers that like collapses real small like real thin and then you open it up and it becomes like a tent on top of a rv kind of a deal and yeah the kids just completely completely loved it Uh, it was a blast um, got to go to the desert, ride dirt bikes with the family, kids riding quads, there you uh, go. lighting off fireworks, pretty much all the redneck stuff. That Living the dream. My family does. Yep. <laughs> so that was really cool. Yeah, we're coming off of Memorial Day weekend. And you got a new grill that you got to, uh, you got to enjoy these last couple it's weeks. true. We got a Traeger grill. We got to uh, start using it. Did some burgers. Did some tri-tip. By the way, we're not sponsored by StarCraft or Traeger. <laughs> Although, if you're or listening. Or anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, we really enjoyed getting to use it. Next up, I think we're going to do some salmon and uh, some sausage. Ooh, that sounds really good. Yeah. You can like make your own? Sausage? Probably not. <laughs> uh, you have to have like a machine and everything that. Ca- yeah, that's that's a lot of work. Props to anybody who takes the time to do that. I watched a YouTube video on that, and I was like, oh, that sounds like a really... And then I was like, oh, snap. You oh, need wait, like what? significant levels of equipment and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, let's get off of this random meandering topic real quick and uh let's enter this episode we got a buddy of ours named jeremy elder who's on staff here at saddleback he's on our video training solutions team and he's a pastor here at saddleback he's kind of a uh under the radar theologian around here too he's one of those guys who just he knows his stuff um and we're excited to bring him out it's his first time on the show so uh please forgive any coughing that you hear from me i want to get this disclaimer out of the way before we bring jeremy out uh, if you're coughing, sniffling, throat clearing, that's me getting over a cold. Please forgive. Uh, without any further ado, let's bring Jeremy Elder out here. Jeremy, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, good. I'm glad to hear it. All right. Um, so today we're going to be talking about a, a slew of things, but first off, um, it's always a slew with you. Is it? It's always a slew. Okay. We're going to be talking about no, it is a, slew. a cornucopia of different ah, uh, plethora? items and tidbits of, Series. of information. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do here at Saddleback? What got you into ministry? And uh, as a pastor, just what are you passionate about? Sure. Well, I've been going to Saddleback since high school, and that's... Uh, 22 years or so, maybe a little more. <laughs> and I've been on staff for almost 15. Very and cool. so um, when I started on staff, I was also doing film production at Chapman University. And um, 
I had just been on a trip to Botswana with the Jesus Film Project. And so for those who don't know, that's basically a feature-length movie on the life of Jesus that Campus Crusade made. And they use it everywhere as a tool to bring it's people to Jesus. literally been everywhere. It's yeah. been everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And so on this trip, we're in Botswana, way out in the bush with a old 16-millimeter projector and a generator. And just pulling people in from the villages to watch this. First movie they've ever seen. Most of them wow. had never seen anything before. And this is the first movie they saw. And so I kind of put two and two together like, whoa, you can use media to help people learn more about who Christ is and grow mm. them in their faith. Well, that sounds cool. I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And um, here I am. Um, I've been on staff for 15 years uh, and uh, I've been doing all kinds of video production for different teams for our live service team, for our peace team, for, um, you know, communications efforts like church news curriculum stories promos you name it mm-hmm. it's kind of cool you've gotten to travel the world as a part of this and see how the ministry has been impacted in other cultures and everything that's really cool yes yeah it's I've, i feel very fortunate to witness a lot of that stuff because um, it does kind of feel like wow there's something cool going on here and i'm participating in it and just you know witnessing how god is using our church and other churches that are partnering with us to, mm. you know, for community development, for spiritual development, for everything, you know, all yeah. around the world. It was kind of funny because you and I actually, I don't know if we met in Berlin. Yeah, we did. Yeah. But that's kind of where we first uh-huh. kind of hit it off. <laughs> we we went to Berlin in, uh, that was October of 20, was it 14 or 13? I think 2014. Yeah, I uh, think so. Yeah, when we, when we launched the Berlin campus, we had yeah. three international campuses that launched boom, 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 one week after the other. And it was funny because we worked at the same church here in Southern California, but it took a trip to Berlin. I was there to help with the launch in some capacities. You were there to film the launch, uh, and we ended up kind of becoming buds yeah. <laughs> overseas on that trip, and then we came back. We've been friends ever since. Yeah, and it's funny. I've met quite a few people on staff in other countries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something about that, you know, being at another campus or being being out of the country, just you kind of just form an instant bond because mm-hmm. you're like, we have this in common at least. <laughs> I still haven't gotten to go to any of our international campuses. You're, such, you're so deprived. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, you got a little family too. Tell us about that. I do. Uh, so my wife Evangeline and I have been married for 13 years almost now, and we've got three kids: Wyatt, Finley, and Thea. They're 10 and seven and four, and yeah, um, I love them. We That's love awesome. hanging out. We go rock climbing together as a family. It's really fun. Mm. My wife and I are major coffee lovers. Um, and then here at the church, besides doing video production stuff, um, I'm also a licensed pastor. I've been licensed for about five years. And so, man, I'm a total Bible geek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a card-carrying Bible geek. I'll just say that. Um, I love learning about the history, the culture, the original languages, any of that, you name yeah. it. But I think both on the pastoral side and on the video side, like th- my main passion is discipleship and just using whatever gifts that God's given me to just help people grow up in who Christ is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're excited to have you on the show because I, I think a lot of people don't realize um, how uh, theologically sharp and pastorally minded you are. <laughs> and so, and we know that. So we're excited to bring you on and, and hear some of your insights today. Um, <clears throat> let's let's kind of dive into what we're talking about sure. today. Uh, we're talking about getting unstuck in our faith. We're talking about kind of getting out of ruts and that kind of thing. And we're going to develop that as we go through the day. And I know you've got some good stuff to say on that. But starting it off, uh, as we think about being stuck in ruts and being stunted in our growth, uh, one of the biggest 
complaints that I hear people say about Christians and about Christianity is that <clears throat> oftentimes the way of life of a Christian doesn't look any different than the way of life of those who don't know Jesus at all. Um, and why do you why do you think that happens with Christians? Yeah, that's an awesome question. I mean, I've been asking myself that for years about myself too and about other people. Um, an example that I, I like to think about is like, so one of the things I do on the side for video production is sometimes I'll shoot a wedding. Mm-hmm. And man, sometimes I'm shocked to hear God brought up in the ceremony because of what I've heard before the ceremony in private. Yeah. And I go, wait a minute, what's happening here? And, you know, that's that's me too sometimes, or that's other people that I know that say they're Christians. Yeah. And, um, yeah, why is this? I think often we're sharing the same values and goals as as people that don't profess Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, we like the same movies. We like the same music. Uh, we're often working for the same things. So whether mm-hmm. we're working for the weekend or we're working for that new toy, that new car or something, or mm-hmm. for status, right? And then we often are approaching our struggles the same way too. And we have the same reactions that someone that doesn't know Jesus would react. And mm-hmm. obviously that's not what God intended. Um, in, in Matthew 5, Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Mm-hmm. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But that often doesn't happen in our life. And I got to ask myself and I got to ask, you know, everyone listening, you know, do people see you and know that you're following Christ? Can they tell by the way that you act, by the values you hold? Um, and if not, that's that's why you look the same as them, because you're thinking and acting the same as people that don't know them. Mm. Um yeah, you don't want to be an inconspicuous Christian. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, you know, in Romans 14, Paul says that you have to put on Christ. It's almost like putting on clothing. So, you know, if, if you're wearing Christ, people should know. Just like if you see a doctor or a firefighter in uniform, you know exactly what they stand for. Mm. Um, there's no undercover unit in the Christian church, right? Yeah. yeah. So we should we should be able to tell that we're Christian because we've put on Christ. Mm. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been struggling with this for a long time, just going, why? Why is this? And um, I've, I've seen these three kind of developmental stages, if you want to call them that, in my life, in the life of my friends um, that we all kind of go through as we grow. And you can get stalled out at one of these stages. And what that's going to mean is that you get stuck and you might not get past that, that initial commitment to Christ to actually growing deeper in him that's and that's what's really going to differentiate you from the world. Hmm. So these are maturity th- this differentiates steps of maturity. Exactly. Yeah, and the and the stages that I've kind of laid out are first you have to discover what salvation is all about because there's some misconceptions there. And then after that, you have to discover how much God loves you and then you need to discover how God uses trials to help you grow. Hmm. And it's not exhaustive obviously, and you could go through, you know, a couple of these stages simultaneously, but I do feel like they're, they're, they are developmental steps that you kind of have to go through one after the other Mm -hmm. to grow in Christ and kind of keep that momentum from the moment you first start believing. So, so through the course of this, uh, of of our talk, we're going to be talking about these stages and what each one looks like. Um, But 
the first question anybody should be asking themselves is is how, how do how can I figure out or how can I determine if I'm stuck or not? Like what does that look like? What should I be asking myself? What sort of self-reflection do I need to do in order to determine where I'm at and if I've stalled out? Yeah, great question. I think self-reflection is a good way to put it because um, most of this battle that we're going to talk about happens in the mind. It's all about perspective. I know you guys had um, Ken Ball on a couple of weeks ago, and I've had the privilege of being mentored by him. Mm. And one of the things that he says is that your thoughts are the access point to the unresolved issues in your life. Mm. And so if you want to deal with you know, your, the emotions you're feeling or the, the attitudes and behaviors you have, you have to start with the thoughts. The thoughts are mm. kind of your inroads into that. Mm. And so... Yeah, we gotta we gotta ask some questions. We gotta self reflect. Um, maybe you're asking yourself questions that we've already talked about, like why why doesn't my life look differently than those around me? If it doesn't, you know, then then you're definitely stuck. You know, if if people are surprised when you say that you follow Jesus, like, oh, you were a Christian? I didn't know that. Yeah, and you're like, no. uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, or like you... a skeptical look in their eye, like you're a Christian. Uh, yeah, exactly. if they put italics on the you're, you're in trouble. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're like, good one. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean by Christian? Can you define that? Yeah. Um, you can ask your, you know, if you're in the same place that you were a year ago or a month ago, you know, you're dealing with that same issue and you're not finding freedom. That's mm-hmm. a sign of being stuck. Um, you can ask yourself, what's the default mode that I go to in any given situation? You know, so what if you're cut off in traffic or your uh, kids are talking back to you or your boss doesn't understand when you're trying to explain something, you know, is your default mode going to anger and frustration and anxiety, or is it mm-hmm. going to like grace and forgiveness? You know, are you looking like Jesus? Or are you looking like the the world? Like what behaviors do you do without thinking? That'll, yeah. that'll tell you if you're stuck or not. There's something C.S. Lewis said that's along those same lines that I thought was really brilliant. <clears throat> he talked about how the way that we behave in those moments where we are suddenly struck with a circumstance and react to it instinctively says a lot about our inward character. <clears throat> yeah. And some people will justify themselves saying like, well, uh, you know, that, that moment just kind of got the better of me or, you know, my, the kind of the worst part of me came out in that moment or, um, oh, well, I only acted like that because of whatever. <clears throat> but the point he makes is, is it not the truest reflection of who we are when we have to confront the thing that comes out when we don't have the time to dress up the appearance and, and think about perceptions and those kinds of things, those words that just leap out of your mouth, the, the irritation that just, you know, just instantly erupts on your face when someone interrupts you in the middle of, of a work day or something like that. Those little things, uh, I think, that we tend to excuse in ourselves might be the clearest and most raw indicators of our real maturity and our, the real contents of our heart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And... When you say that, I go, oh, man, I got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, same here, man. <laughs> yeah, I got two kids, and they, <laughs> they, they make me confront this all the time. Yeah. All the time. Well, let's, uh, as we talk about um, these stages that you've discussed, mm-hmm. you've brought up these um, stages that we can kind of work through, these developmental steps. Um, let's talk about stage one, shall we? Can you break that one down for us? Yeah, definitely. So stage one, or phase one, or whatever you want to call it, is that we need to discover what salvation is all about. Because many of us have a misunderstanding about what salvation is. Hmm. So if you ask a lot of people, hey, what does it mean to be a Christian? They might say something like, oh, I'm, it means I'm going to heaven when I die. Hmm. 
And that is true. That is a point of salvation, but that's a very incomplete point of salvation. That's like saying, yeah, I live in that house, but you've never stepped foot past the foyer, like into the living room to explore the house. You're just camping on the front porch. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, salvation isn't just about going to heaven when you die, because eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts when you believe. Mm. See, you're not saved from something, like I'm saved from hell, although you are saved from eternal separation, if you do believe, but you're saved for something, which is a restored relationship with God. Mm. And it's a process. It does have a beginning. Yes, there is a moment for many people that they can recall where they go, that was the moment where I committed to following Jesus, and I've made that decision that commitment. But that's just the beginning. It's a process that moves forward from that point. And that's just the first step in becoming like God. Um, Paul tells us in Philippians 2 that we're supposed to work out our salvation, but often it's kind of like the neglected Stairmaster that kind of people just push into the corner, <laughs> just goes unused. <laughs> that uh, old Nordic track. Oh, the Bowflex hanging yep. out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you have to work it out. You have to practice it. You have to discover what does it mean to believe? What does it mean to follow Jesus in my daily life? Hmm. Um, You know, to many people, knowing Jesus is just believing the right things about him. It's like having all the right answers on a test. Like Hmm. I'm studied, like I've studied for the test. I know the answers. I'm good. When I get tested, I'll be fine. But that's just like a house of cards waiting to tumble because it just really, you know, all those ideas are kind of precariously stacked up. It just takes someone to come by and poke a hole in one of them, and the whole thing just comes tumbling down. Mm. Because you can't be saved by ideas. You have to be saved by a person. You have Mm. to be saved by the person of Jesus, by knowing him. Um, Do you think that when we... uh, Of course, this is a biblical word, so it's a good word for us to use, but do you think sometimes this, uh, the word salvation or being saved sometimes sets up the wrong picture in our head of of what's actually going on? So mm -hmm. when I think of like when I look at... Um, especially the New Testament, when you hear Jesus and he talks, he uses all this kingdom language. Mm-hmm. And so increasingly, as I think about salvation, I think of it less in terms of, like you said, what I've been saved from. Um, and salvation almost becomes like a kind of, the salvation picture has sort of diminished a little bit. And I think more about the remaking, you know? Because when you talk about, yes. you talk about, you know, going to heaven when I die. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but really, the ultimate vision, the ultimate Christian vision of heaven is new earth, that mm-hmm. God is recreating mm-hmm. the heavens and the earth, and he is recreating human beings to dwell on that earth. And if we think in terms not of just like, oh, I've been saved from a bad thing, but I'm actually being re- remade or refashioned for a new thing, then it, it's very future-oriented, whereas salvation can be very past-oriented. Like, yes, I got saved, and I'm good. Exactly. But if we think in terms of remaking or recreation, mm-hmm. um, that's future-oriented, and that involves like a daily process that's not always easy. Exactly, yeah. The the salvation as being saved from something is very transactional. It's like this right. one-time thing. I've thought about it, just done I was dangling off a cliff, Jesus yep. grabbed me, and now I'm all set. Yeah. You just say, you thank know. you, God, we're all good. <clears throat> yeah, yep. And then go back to living your life as you were before. Exactly, exactly. It's kind of putting God in the realm of Santa Claus, you know? Right. I have my list of things, you just check them off and I'll be good. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, that comes from a different starting point, right? Like mm-hmm. what you said um, about the kingdom reality here and now is a completely different starting point than where, you know, salvation as just being saved from heaven, from hell. Yeah. That's And so you have to start somewhere. 
different to get there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you look at what Jesus said about eternal life, he didn't say, ah, it's just going to be, with, you know, eternal life is just being with me in heaven. No, that's not actually what he said. Mm. He said eternal life is that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Mm. That's in John 17, 3. Mm. And, um, but people can get tripped up on that word no. And they don't understand that that knowing is not just information, but it's relationship. Mm. And so, you know, it's, it's said that the longest journey is from the, the head to the heart. It's, it's taking a knowledge from something that you know to something that you experience. Um, it's hard in English. We have one word for no. Yeah. Other languages like Spanish, they've got two words. They've got saber and conocer. So you can know something like, yo sé el cielo es azul. I know the sky is blue. Or yo conozco a mi esposa. Like, I know my wife. I, yeah. If, it has an intimacy into it. Yes, yeah, an intimacy, mm-hmm. a relationship. And so when when Jesus says that eternal life is to know God and to know him, he's using that kind of know. It's actually the same word that is used to describe when Adam knew Eve. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what that means, ask your parents. <laughs> yeah. They can explain it to you. But is that close to God, right? Yeah. And when you're that close to God, you begin to take on his characteristics. Mm. And that's, that's really what salvation is all about, is to put you into right relationship with the Father through Jesus by the power of the Spirit so that you can begin to live that Christian life. Hmm. Like you said, it's like being ushered into like a new kingdom or a new country. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's a moment where you step past that threshold, but that's not it. It's like you've got this whole wide, expansive country to explore now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how did... This look at salvation, this uh, this understanding of it. How did that, or how did this come about for you personally, and what was your personal journey like in that, and mm. and, 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 and in really opening up your eyes to kind of this this different view of salvation than what maybe a lot of people think of it as. Sure. Yeah. Well. I would say growing up, my faith was all just about knowledge and believing the right things. Um, I'm a pretty intellectual person. I love reading. So for me, it was really easy to fall into that trap of reading something and thinking I know it from just reading it. Sure. And um, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it honestly, it took a lot of horrible mistakes in my daily life, especially in high school, <laughs> to show me that what I believed and what I did were not the same thing. Mm, sure. And so there was this disconnect there that I was kind of stuck in this gap between mm. what I wanted to to do and what I thought I knew. And really, it was, it was Saddleback Church that changed that. Mm. So when I was um, a junior in high school, I started going to high school ministry here with a girl that I was dating at the time. And I didn't, I'm not dating her anymore, but I'm still here at the church. So that was a good... <laughs> Missionary dating yeah. so, does yep. sometimes work. <laughs> it does work sometimes. <clears throat> and that was the beginning of change because at Saddleback, we're very focused on application. Right. Right. And so I learned that I only really believed and knew what I was acting on. Hmm. And then I learned that I was saved not just to go to heaven, but you're saved for something. You have a purpose on your, on, you know, in your life on hmm. the earth. Otherwise, God could just kill you and take you home immediately, right? Yeah. Um, and Pastor Rick's got this little saying that was just drilled into my head about salvation. It's your past forgiven, it's your purpose for living, and it's your home in heaven. 
it's this much more robust look at what it means to be quote saved. Sometimes mm-hmm. people only focus on the first part and the last part, right? Exactly. Yeah. Which which leads you to go, like, what am I doing here on Earth then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> am I just supposed to be biding my time? But obviously you're not. You know, the like God wants you to grow more and more like him. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I would just say if if anyone's listening right now and they're and they're thinking, oh man, that's me. Like I've I've fallen into that trap of thinking that salvation is just a one-time thing and I'm good or I just know a bunch of stuff but I don't act it out. You don't you don't have to freak out. You can you can make a change. And you know, I I like to think of a metaphor like if you've got a a little a little girl that's learning to walk and she's kind of toddling around and stumbling over, you know, when she falls down, you're not like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you. Why did you do that?" You're just Pathetic. supposed to get it right the first time. <laughs> no, right? You go, you pick her up, you brush her off. You're like, "It's okay. Try again." And I mean, that's really how God is with us. Hmm. So you just you just have to come to him and say, "You know what? I've been wrong and I want to know you more." And I don't want to just know about you, but I want to know who you are and who I am in you so that you can, you know, so I can move past this basic belief into a deeper faith. That's yeah. all it takes. And yeah. he's going to meet you wherever you are and just help you. And what you've been talking about on, 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 on this salvation piece, it it's reminded me a lot of a book that our team is reading, The Spirit of the Disciplines. It's mm-hmm. a good book. Um, and <coughs> we've actually have planned to do a series on this on this topic later this year. But um, yeah, it, it's just it's just really hitting this home, you know, this idea that, hey, <coughs> salvation is not just you know, eternity, it's it's also here. And think about what that looks like for the rest of your life here on Earth. So, very cool. I love what you said about um, the, the analogy of the little girl learning to walk, too. <clears throat> Rick sometimes has used the analogy of, of uh, like a child creating a work of art, you know, a painting or a drawing or that kind of thing. And I, I think one of the important things for us to understand about God, when we remember that He's our Father, we have to remember that God understands our developmental stage. He... I, I mean, I mm-hmm. love the passage that says God, he knows we're only dust. He understands our limitations. He understands the journey that we're on. He knows what we're meant to be, but he knows how far we've fallen. And he knows that it's not easy to be made new again. And, <clears throat> you know, I think, like, I went to my little girl's open house last night, Amelia, her, her kindergarten open house. And they're doing this rainforest module right now. So they all created these rainforest animals learning all about it. And they'd each created like a butterfly, a sloth, a, a snake, and all these different things. And uh, I just remember feeling so impressed by the things that they had done. Not because they were anything that's going to be like shown at the Met or anything like that, but because they were they were really beautiful expressions of what it means to be in that stage of development. And I think... Uh, depending on our personality type and our background and our relationship with our, our earthly dads, yep. um, we might have different pictures of how we, th- what we think God's disposition toward us is. But if we remember that He's our good and perfect Father mm-hmm. and that He really loves us, that God is actually pleased and um, um, and at a fatherly level may even be at, that's in, in some way impressed by the small victories that we have on that journey and the ways that we yeah, begin proud. to change. He's yeah, proud. he's a proud dad. Yeah, I think uh, everybody wants to know what Amelia made for her animal. Oh, they each had to make all the animals. Whoa. Oh. 
Yeah, dude, it okay. was the cutest thing. I don't want to go on a big tent. But <laughs> the teacher had strung up these like um, these like construction paper vines all throughout, That's the, cool. all, all over the ceiling of the classroom. And hanging in the vines were all the animals that the kids made. So they made sloths and snakes and parrots and, uh, you know, uh, various other animals. <laughs> they, so they each made like a dozen animals each. So wow. like it, it was pretty... Pretty legit, actually. The whole think, room was like transformed. I don't like, think my kindergarten ever got that. And mine that didn't intense. either. That's and this cool. is a public school too, y'all. <laughs> wow, amazing. Villa Park Elementary. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not sponsored by Villa Park Elementary. <laughs> not sponsored by a public school. Yeah. All right. Sounds Let's, like this wasn't the first shout out for that school. No, it was the first. It was. The we first, had two shout outs <laughs> earlier today, and we yeah, just, in the intro. Yeah, got in the it. Intro. All right. So. Yeah. Anything else to say on stage one before we go on to stage two there? No, no, let's move forward. I think what you what you just said about the love of the father is a perfect way to go into stage two. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well tell us what that is. What's sure. that all about? Yeah, I I mean just to to jump on what you said, we gotta discover how much God loves us. So it's mm-hmm. not just about realizing that salvation is an ongoing process. Yeah, that's a great starting point. But if you don't understand God's love for you, you can't really move forward. Mm. Because a lot of times we have a relationship with God that's based on fear, and you can't have a relationship based on fear. Mm. So the starting point for a breakthrough is always the the nature of God, knowing who God is. So who is he? What is he like? Mm. Um, often we just don't really get how much God loves us. Pastor Rick says a lot of times, you know, our primary purpose in life is being loved by God. It's not doing things for God. It's not even loving God back. It's just accepting his love for us. Mm. Um, but we're often like the son in the parable of the prodigal. And just to, to catch everyone up on the same page, basically, right, he, he asks for his father's inheritance, he goes and blows it all, and he's in this really bad spot, and he's like, man, I just, I should have stayed at home. Maybe I can at least go home as a servant. Mm. I'll do, yeah, I'll just do that. I'll go apologize. I'll tell my dad, I'm not worthy of a son. Just, just take me on as a servant. Um, but our badness and our mistakes are no match for God's goodness, right? Mm. And so in this parable, God being represented as the father, he just bulldozes over the son's apology with his love. Mm. He's not even listening to his apology. He's like, he tries to give a speech, father, I've sinned against you. And I've, yeah. and he's Which like, he's rehearsed ah. in advance. Yeah, he's rehearsing in advance. And the father's not even listening. He's like, no, 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 no. You're fine. Come on. We got to celebrate. We got to party. He's like, do you know how long I rehearsed this speech? <laughs> let me, Dad, let me do the Come thing. on. Let me finish it. Uh, because God doesn't want servants. He wants sons and daughters. He mm. wants people to partner with him in his family business, right? And um, ladies, if I say, son, forgive me, it includes you too. You did say sons and daughters Great. just a second ago. So you're, you're covering your bases. But yeah, everyone's a son of God, just says all the guys were all brides of Christ, right? <laughs> it's a title. It's a little weird, but it's a title. Yes. It has it's a status. Interesting to say that. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, <clears throat> but the father is calling us into fellowship with him, right? In this story of the prodigal, he runs out to the son to restore him as a son. Mm. He gives him some gifts. He gives him a ring. He gives him a robe. He throws a party. He celebrates. Yeah. So, you know, we're often judging ourselves and we're often judging others, but Jesus didn't come to judge. In John 3, 17, you know, he says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Hmm. And in John 5, he says, the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. So you think, okay, well, God's not going to judge me, but Jesus, one day he's going to judge me. No, no, no. 
That's that's verse 22. You look down at verse 45. He says, and do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. So he's not going to judge either. Hmm. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you've set your hope. And Moses really is just shorthand for the people's failure to understand the purpose of the covenant that they had with God. Because the purpose wasn't punishment for doing wrong, but it was to restore people to a right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this stage is all about um, accepting God's love, loving God as Father. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's that relational element. Um, so why do you think people have such a hard time with this one and often, you know, trip and fall f- flat on their face? What makes this, you know, uh, just a, a struggle for many to truly receive God's love? Well, you know, on, honestly, a lot of times we think we have to have it all together or we have to, like, make ourselves worthy to be loved by God. We don't, we don't see that we're already deemed worthy. So, like, the natural bent of the universe is to be connected to God and love, but we willfully choose not to. So it could be pride, like, no, I don't want anything to do with God. I know better. It could be fear, like, I'm, I'm scared of what he's going to do to me because I'm bad. It could be shame, like I've done too many bad things, I can't possibly approach him. And if you don't see yourself as God sees you, then you can't live out of his love. So a lot of times the the, the problem of our faith isn't that we're too damaged, though, it's just that we don't understand the depths of God's love for us. Hmm. Um, George MacDonald has this saying in one of his sermons, he says, because we are the sons of God, we must become the sons of God. Hmm. Which sounds a little weird and redundant, but he's basically saying, you got to step into the reality of who you are. Um, and often we're, we're modeling God after maybe our parents or, or authority figures or someone in our life that, that wasn't perfect. And so we might see God as disappointed or angry or impatient or embarrassed or, you know, whatever. So we keep our distance from him. And so we build up these walls. Hmm. Um, so we need to, we need to kind of have this perspective <clears throat> shift again. You know, Hosea four, six says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that word knowledge again is that same no, it's that same personal experiential knowledge. It's about shifting our perception about God. And, you know, um, oftentimes, you know, if you think of like the vastness of God and his love, it's, it's like the air around us. It's everywhere, right? You can just breathe it in. But a lot of times we're, we're sitting there with one of those little coffee stir stick straws, just kind of taking little sips, Mm. you know? Yeah. And, and we don't realize that we're just like, we're completely immersed in his love. Hmm. And all we really need to do is draw near to him. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't observe him from the distance and think, okay, I know who God is. You have to, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good is what it says in the Psalms. And, you know, Jesus is standing at the door knocking is what it says in Revelation. So it's like, he'll stand there and he'll knock. Hmm. He's not going to barge his way in. But once you let him in, man, the floodgates of love just... You know, just rush yeah. open. Don't use a sip straw. Yeah, I hate those That'd be things. A quote of the, those things are terrible. It's <laughs> so disappointing. I like what you said about uh, using that George McDonald quote. Um, that idea that we're the the title of being a son or daughter of mm-hmm. God is not an earned title. It is a title that's bestowed because of Jesus Christ. It's not something that you got for yourself, right? But then there is, of course, the discipleship element of 
of growth and becoming a son or becoming a daughter in the sense that we are then transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. But those are two different things. Mm -hmm. So being a son and being transformed like Mm -hmm. the uh, original son, those are two... Those are two different things, and we need to understand that we didn't do anything to gain our sonship or our daughterhood or daughtership. Daughter. Sonhood. Daughter. You get the idea. <laughs> Daughterosity. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, yeah, re- recognizing that God's mm-hmm. love is, is the whole thing that initiated the relationship in the first place, and that, yep. yeah, and that your imperfections are a given. <laughs> yeah, you he's know, not like, surprised or shocked by him. <laughs> yeah, the whole point of Jesus coming was in recognition of our imperfection and our need to be reconciled to the Father. So why do we, why do we think that our, that our personal imperfections are going to be a continued barrier in that relationship? Right. It, it's pretty silly and, um, when you really break it down like that. Right. But, I, I mean, I can give you a personal example from my life. Um, you know, like you said, the moment that I believed in Christ, I was a son. I am, you know, completed and perfected in Christ. I am sitting at the right hand of God in Christ. You know, mm-hmm. you can go on about all of the amazing statuses that every believer has in Christ. Yeah. But like you said, you have to step into them. Right. And um, for me, for, for years, I dealt with just fear and anxiety. And I think that was because I didn't really understand the love of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought, I think deep down, as much as I said, oh, I know lo- God, that God loves me, I was still afraid that he would only love me if I didn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, so anytime I had a project or something that I was working on, you know, I was so scared of making mistakes. It would just fill me with dread and anxiety, and I would try everything I could to control the situation, to have a good outcome so that I could be mm-hmm. loved. And so, you know, I, I didn't know the love of God in my heart. I only knew it in my head. And, you know, God helped me through this. Um, you know, First John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love. And that perfect love casts out fear. Hmm. Fear has to do with punishment, but whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So I had to kind of mull over that verse. Well, what does that mean? I mean, I am fearing a lot. And, but then the yeah. Bible says there's no fear in love and that perfect love is supposed to cast out fear. Hmm. And it was really through you know, mentors and books and sermons and God just guiding me this and just demonstrating his love to me over and over and over again that I was able to kind of let go of the the false identity that I tried to build apart from him. Like, I am worthy if I succeed mm-hmm. and just take on like the status, like you're saying that, no, I am worthy because God has deemed me worthy no matter what I do. Yeah. Um, one of the things, you know, when we have the the minister of the day line and people call in and they're often hurting yeah. And when I when I pray with them, one of the things I, I say immediately when I'm praying is, is, God, thank you that there's nothing that I can do that's going to make you love me less and nothing I can do that's going to make you love me more because you already love me perfectly. Mm. Just a way to kind of set the tone and the foundation for, for whatever problem these people are facing and whatever problem yeah. we face that we got to start from this this perspective of, of God's love for us. So what what are the... What happens if we don't? What happens if we don't come to a place where we can accept God's love for us? How does that damage or stifle our growth? Yeah, damage and stifle, those are definite effects of that. Um, I mean, you're, you're basically building walls, you know? You don't realize that you think you're protecting yourself from hurt, but what you're really doing is building walls that are going to, you know, maybe keep some of that hurt out, but you're also keeping God out, and you're mm. also keeping other people out. And that isolation eventually leads to death. Mm. You know, not necessarily a physical death, but a spiritual death. 
it's, you know, it's, it's what, what Jesus talks about in John 15, you know, he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Mm. And it's like, if you're cut off from the vine, then you don't have any fruit. I mean, there's no way for you to flourish if you're, if you're cut off. So that's the effect of that. Yeah. We probably are at different uh, stages in different ways. Probably each of us experiences uh, what it, what it looks like to fail to accept because I know I still deal with it all the time. I think I have the, um, because of my personality type, I'm, I'm the kind of person who feels like I need to, I need to be good. I need to Mm -hmm. be a good boy to be accepted and really loved by God. And even though theologically I understand that's not true at the personal level, I still wrestle with that. And I still wonder like, is God going to like, is God going to drop the hammer on me for making making a wrong move or or that kind of stuff? Like, am I going to, like, is he going to, am I going to see another face to God? Like, yeah, I know he's my father, but does he also have an angry, uh, vengeful face that he's ready to turn on me at any, at any moment? And I think learning to sort through that Mm -hmm. and getting a better picture of who God is, um, not through our own, not through the lens of our own hurts and our own stuff, but objectively as God actually is. And as he presents himself in the scriptures is a, uh, is an important step there. Well, thanks for listening to part one of this uh, great conversation with Jeremy Elder. We're having a great time. So much good stuff. We're breaking it into two pieces so you can enjoy, uh, you can enjoy the full length version of this conversation. So make sure you stay tuned for, uh, episode two coming up. We still got stage three to go. You gotta come back. You gotta come back for stage three. Uh, Anyway, this has been an episode of Dual Discipleship. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.